0: Welcome in to the Sunday edition of the Redbird Report. Joining you today is Vedette Sports Editor Nate Head and myself, Mike, Mara, and Nate. We've got another Redbird football victory, and I'll tell you what, this team really has turned a corner since that Southern Illinois game.
1: Yeah, I definitely would say so. Um, This is the definition of a a statement win, Um, going into Youngstown on their homecoming they've kind of been slipping and throughout this week we kind of you know drew the parallels between youngstown state in illinois state in these past you know the past month where both teams were kind of slipping and then um you know isu used the homecoming you know game here in normal to to kind of get them back on track um youngstown was probably thinking maybe the same and you know illinois state goes in there and you know
0: Utterly dominates them. You know, what else is there to say? I mean, and I'll tell you what, I mean, Youngstown's fighting for their life. I mean, it's literally the exact same situation that Illinois State was in when South Dakota came in. And I'll tell you what, Youngstown State just rolled over and died, it seemed like. I mean, there was no fight in them at all. I mean, ISU takes that early 7 0 lead, and then Matt McCown takes that. I don't know if they. I think they ruled it a fumble. Correct? They did rule it a fumble. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. They, they he recovered a, a a fumble that was forced by Tyree Horton, and takes that for for another six, and then Sean Slattery adds the extra point. You know, they got fourteen nothing. And at that point, I kind of I was sitting there and I felt there's no way that Youngstown State comes back. I don't know how you felt because I know we were both we were both watching the game, mm-hmm. and I at fourteen nothing. I thought it was over.
1: Right. Yeah. I'd never got the sense either that there was you know gonna get some momentum going or anything, you know, there's no crowd, you know, no, no life from the crowd. Um, and it was just kind of demoralizing from, for Youngstown State. One to, you know, be on the the bad end of a early deficit. And also, um, Illinois State offense was you know, they weren't you know, tricking anybody they are just lining them up and running the ball right down their throat and Youngstown was you know they're giving up five six yards of carry and then every once in a while you know they would bust open you know 15 or 20 so there's really no secrets and it just kind of lined them up said you know what this is what we're going to do and they did it and you know so that that's a
0: really tough loss and you know yeah, and I, and I think, and I know we've, these past couple of weeks especially, going all the way back to uh, Illinois State's loss against Southern Illinois, we've kind of talked about the the playoff picture, and I don't know, we've talked about it. And I know you thought that if Illinois State went six and five, they might sneak in into the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that a six and five Youngstown State gets into the playoffs because when you look at their losses, I mean, you could argue that you know you have Pittsburgh, you know, that's an FBS team, 28-21 in overtime, South or uh, North Dakota State, twenty seven twenty four again in overtime, mm. but. Then you look at this one, and they don't really have a quality win on on their schedule. I don't think they have a quality win. I mean, you look at their you look at their non conference schedule, and they don't they didn't play anybody outside of Pittsburgh. I mean, they kind of rolled through that. And you know, uh, then you enter Valley play, and it's they've struggled. They only have one win. and I know that's it's one win you could talk about as, as maybe their only uh, resume boosting win on their schedule. Yeah, here's the problem with them is,
1: you know, they're one and four in the conference, and so they have three games remaining. But you know, I'm looking at it right now: Indiana State, Southern Illinois, and Missouri State. None of those wins jump off the page uh, on a you know on a daily basis. So, really, the best they could finish in the conference is three and four, and that would be six and five. But they don't they don't have the win over you know South Dakota that. That Illinois State has, or you know, they don't have the the win over Illinois State that um, you know, so they're missing they're missing that key win. Yeah, to reiterate your point, they don't have the key win. So I don't think their let me say it this way: I don't think their six and five would sneak in, but I think Illinois State's would. But and we can get to this later. I, I think Illinois State's going to finish better than six and five. But yeah, so they're, they're on. They're these are two teams going. You know.
0: Very different directions right now. Yeah, and I completely agree with you. I think an Illinois State six and five record gets them in. Uh, six and five Youngstown team does not get in. And and strictly, I mean, you, like you said, you hit on it. Their their November schedule is at Indiana State, at Southern Illinois, and at home versus Missouri State. Okay, let's go. Let's let's go through that. Let's break that down. You got Indiana State winless. Overall, winless overall. Southern Illinois, middle of the pack, not a very quality win. Their only win is obviously Illinois State. Then you go to Missouri State, one win in the conference, yeah. which is against Indiana State, which happened yesterday. Which <laughs> uh, that's that's the easiest back half of the schedule. And then you look at who Illinois State has. Obviously, they come home for a family weekend matchup against Western Illinois, which we'll take a little look at that. Uh, And then they go to South Dakota State, and they host North Dakota State. And I'll tell you what, two weeks ago we sat here, and I thought there's no way that they squeak out two wins out of this back half of the schedule. Mm -hmm. Well, they already proved me wrong there and got two. I'm going as far as to say that... My prediction is they'll finish this back half this five back the five games on the back half of the schedule. I think they go four and one. I think four they. Four one. I think they go four and one. I think they go out to South Dakota State, take care of business. They take care of business against Western Illinois, um, and I think their only loss is going to be North Dakota State, and that's just because they're just so damn good. North mm-hmm. Dakota State it just consistently is so good, and I think that's a testament to uh, Illinois State answering the bell as far as. I uh, you know you get that embarrassing loss mm-hmm. at Southern Illinois and I think they used that as a wake up call and I mean I know you talked about it on, on in last in the last paper in your column how um you know where to next redbirds and mm-hmm. and, and that was kind of their wake up call and uh, I think that they had a lot of non believers me one of them and I'll tell you what. After these last two games, there's no way that if you're watching the same Illinois State team, uh, that you you're still on the panic button. I, I said it, and people will see it tomorrow. My hand is off the panic button. and It's nowhere close because I'm telling you, I think they go four. I think they go four and one down the stretch and uh, enter the playoffs with with a ten and two record. And that's and, mm-hmm. and, and I two weeks ago there was no way. Two weeks ago there was no way. I thought they were gonna. Like I said, I thought they were gonna finish. Potentially, I I didn't think they—they might not have won another game in in my eyes, and they proved me wrong. And and I think you were always the optimistic one of everybody on the Redbird Report, and you turned out to be right. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, one thing that. Should be mentioned in these
1: two wins uh, these last couple of weeks, Youngstown State and South Dakota. They weren't just wins that you know the Redbirds squeaked out and you know last possession kicked a field goal. These were uh, I'd like to say dominating wins. Obviously, the Youngstown State was the, you know the definition of that, and even that South Dakota game they won by 16. You know that is two possessions, and it just you know the feeling surrounding that game was that it was Illinois State's you know from the get go. So those are two you know. Really decisive wins for me. They they really showed a lot. Um, as far as these last three games, I think we can. I think we're both on the same page that Illinois State comes back to Hancock and beats Western Illinois. Um, still going to be an intriguing game. I'm looking forward to that game. Family weekend. Uh, there's always a nice buzz around the stadium when you know all the families are in town. Uh, a lot of tailgating. Probably going to be pretty cold out, I'd imagine. But and
0: I bet you, it's, I bet you, they come close uh, to another sellout.
1: Yeah, no, yeah, they'll be out there. They will definitely be out there. I, I know. Spack kind of joked about it a <laughs> bit in his thing. He said,
0: if only they could, you know, get into the stadium. Did you uh, ever say that in his press? I counter? saw that. Yeah, I kind of laughed when he said mm-hmm. that on Tuesday. But I'll tell you what, if you're Bo Polini, you got to be really, really upset with your homecoming crowd. Oh my! Nobody made it in. It. Well, I know you had it in in your story. Mm-hmm. What the announced attendance was? It was 12, 12 something. Yeah, it was. 12 Twelve thousand, you
1: know, I, I'm watching on ESPN three, so you know, there's the occasional camera shot, and I, I thought it looked a little, you know, sparse, but you know, I can't make that, you know, assessment from my man. living room, but so I, I see the announcement I'm like, oh, oh, twelve thousand, wow, it's pretty silent.
0: I know it's cold and rainy, but they should be, you know, they should be ashamed, man. I, I'll tell you what, homecoming, your season's on the line, and. There's no way there were twelve thousand. I was there with with WJBC as the on-site engineer, and I thought maybe it was going to be a late-arriving crowd. Obviously, you want to finish tailgating, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, you know, get there right at game time. And as the game went on, people only left. Yeah, I'm yeah. telling you right now. Uh, we were talking, we were joking about it uh, before we came home on the plane. We were trying to figure out what the actual number probably was, yeah. and everybody was in the uh, 2,000 to 4,000 wow. range. And I was sitting, I'm telling you right now, that had to be just the number of tickets sold because were, that place was empty. It and, must have been. And, and, and speaking of Bo Polini, we both listened to his press conference. There's some colorful commentary. Oh, man. Man, he said it. He apologized to the city mm-hmm. and to the university, and then goes as far to say that that was the most embarrassing football game and football team he's ever seen. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm pretty familiar
1: with Pellini as a you know fan of the Big Ten. He coached Nebraska, and I, you know, so he's known to get a little fiery. I mean, you can see him on the sidelines working them referees, and as I'm listening to this. You know, press conference. He opened his first. His first sentence is an apology to the city, the program, the you know the university itself, and he didn't make any excuses. I mean, it, it, give him that credit. And he he took, he deflected the blame, you know, also to himself. You know, he didn't just say you know the players came out and were terrible. Um, he also, I mean, he did essentially say that. He, I could not believe the sentence where he said. This is the worst like football team that has right <laughs> and played a game. you know, in a single day, Um, that was pretty, you know, eye-raising. But, you know, he took the blame for it, and that really is just, you know, for lack of
0: better words, truly, you know, demoralizing. And and the thing is, I'm shocked. Obviously, I think that, you know, obviously that's kind of like a PR thing. The coach takes the fall. Oh, yeah, it's on me, it's on me. Mm -hmm. But there's no way that's on him. I mean, they played just terrible. Uh, They didn't look like they were into it at all. And the thing that's that shocked me the most, and I know we kind of hyped it up all last week, was was Hunter Wells going to play? Mm-hmm. About fifty-five minutes before kickoff, right? You know, right about about an hour before kick. Uh, you know, the Penguins were out on the field, and you've seen everybody running routes. You know, the quarterbacks throwing their passes, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I looked over at uh, Ted Schmidt and Dick Ludke who were calling the game for for WJBC, and I said, "He's not." Uh, I said, "Wells isn't out there" because they were doing stuff, you know, prepping for pregame and whatnot, so they weren't necessarily looking out on the field. And I said, "He's he's not out there." And then about twenty minutes later, I look on the sideline, and he's in street clothes. He had his jersey on, um, and he was in street clothes. He did not even dress, which leads me to wonder two things: Is Young Sound State preparing? Hunter Wells for the playoffs and making sure that he's healthy to go for the playoffs, or is he that hurt? I think it's he's that hurt because he's got, that's what I would agree to because you can't be banking
1: on the playoffs when you're playing essentially a must-win game. I, I I'd go ahead and say that was a must-win game for Youngstown State just because now they don't even have an opportunity to
0: go 500 in the league or, or boost their resume.
1: Or actually they will they could go 500 they could, they could go they could 4 go and five. 4 but they can't yeah they can't add anything to the resume
0: any of those wins, it could be fifty-four to zero, and I'm just like, oh, you know, All right. And this would have been a nice win to have if, mm. if you're a Youngstown State. I mean, I, Illinois State's, you know, we talked about it. You know, trying to think of like story ideas and their the resurgent mm-hmm. Redbirds. I mean, that's that's like the way to put it right now. And I don't know what it is. I mean, you could look at the ground game. I think that's the biggest thing. And, yeah, I was going to ask, have, are you most interested in? The ground game. Okay. I, I'll tell you what, because they were non nonexist, virtually non-existent at Northern Arizona and at Southern Illinois. And I'll tell you what, I mean, you look at the stats from yesterday, and both Markel Smith and James Robinson rushed for over 100 yards. The second game in a row that James Robinson has rushed for over 100 yards. Mm-hmm. Three and touchdowns. Too. Three touchdowns, a new career high for him. Another career. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm telling you what. And we were talking about it. He's starting to look a lot like Marshawn Copperich, yeah. which when you look back to who the last two te- the last two players to rush for over 100 yards in a game, it was Mar- Marshawn Coppers and Trey Roberson in 2015 uh, against Western Illinois in the playoffs. I mean. Mm-hmm. If, This team is hitting their stride at the right moment, and I'll tell you what, if you don't lose that game against Southern Illinois, you're tied for first in the standings, in the Missouri Valley standings right now with North Dakota State, which I mention it again that can still be a title fight November 18th. Yeah. You you look at the standings that right now. It could be a fun game. will be that there could be a lot riding on that. Obviously, Illinois State's got two tasks in front of them that mm-hmm. are that are still pretty tall, but yeah. you look at the standings, you got North Dakota State 5 and 0 in the conference, 8 and 0 overall. Then you go South Dakota State 4 and 1, 7 and 1 overall, but in the standings right now, they're just placed in second because they have the better overall standing because there's that tiebreaker that Illinois State wins. Mm-hmm. So, they're in sole possession of second place right now. Illinois State State four and one, six and two overall. South Dakota State three and two, six and two overall. And then Northern Iowa coming out of, I, I would say, coming out of left field because they they spent the most time outside of the top twenty five, and that's I, I'm going to go as far to as say that I that thank God Illinois State doesn't play Northern Iowa because that team I think is 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 a is like a giant sleepwalker. I think people are are sleeping on them, and mm-hmm. I mean they they played. Really, if you look at their schedule, they only lost. Their big loss was to Iowa State.
1: Yeah, they are a sneaky team, you know. So you can say ISU missed Northern Iowa, but I mean, they they sure got hit by literally everybody else in the conference. What a schedule this was, you know, drawn up for the team. Um, just getting back to that rushing game, that was something that was also of interest to me, and it is something. You, I mean, how can you miss it? Um, did you kind of get the sense that Illinois State? Made it clear that they were going to run the ball and they just said, here's our line and then here's yours and let's just see who can do better. That's what I saw. It seemed like they'd run it seven, seven, eight times in a row, just ramming it right through. I mean, what can you say about that offensive line? Uh, It's been a kind of a storyline this year. They're all young and, you know, with the exception of Dean Health on the line, but I mean,
0: what'd what'd you most. You know, see from the Redbird offense. Uh, The fact that, like you said, the offensive line pretty much said, let's strap it up Mm -hmm. and let's go toe to toe with your defensive line, and we're going to push you across the line of scrimmage and just ground and pound you. Mm -hmm. And that's the one thing that. I think Illinois State's done really, really well the last two weeks. Is they've run the ball very well and they've played really good defense. So that's what a defense. That's that's what championship teams do. Is they're able to run the ball and play good defense. And on the plane ride home, I was talking with Ted Schmitz and we were both talking about how you never see a team that is you know prolific in passing. To go to the championship, and that's something that Illinois State, and obviously we're talking, you know, championship aspirations for this team. We're not. Mm-hmm. we by no means are we saying this is a team that's going to win the national championship. They've got a shot, you know. The, these oh, last, I think
1: if you're if you're an ISU Redbird, that's you, what you're thinking right oh, now. Oh yeah,
0: you're not settling for anything less. No, at this point. you proved that they can play with the big teams. I mean, and that's just it though. I mean, I, I get that it looks like, and Youngstown State did lay an egg. There's there's no if, ands or buts about that. They laid an egg, mm-hmm. but that's a that's still a very good defense, and even without Hunter Wells, it's 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 a good offense. But and I think it, average team. And I just think that Illinois State's defense was that much better yesterday and, and they proved it. But we we're talking about how you don't see a team that sits there and just throws the ball all over the field, win national championships, and every now and then obviously you'll get one. I mean Youngstown State made it last year doing the same thing, mm-hmm. doing that. They they but they also they mixed they mixed it well last year, running the ball, passing the ball. Hunter Wells obviously took them to that national championship game, but You don't see, you know, you look at the FBS level, it's much more comparable at the FBS level. Yeah. You look at teams like Oregon. They'll spread them who, out and right, throw the ball. Anyway, how many times, you know, they'll run through the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. But then you get, you know, you you get into your Big Bowl game and they play Auburn or Clemson or whoever they then in a plane and they get smacked. That's true. They just get smacked around because you know, a, a good defensive team can you can easily prep mm-hmm. for you know to to play pass coverages, you know, whatever it may be, cover 2, Tampa 2, whatever you're getting into, uh, you know, it's easy to defend against the pass. It's hard to defend the run because you may know it's coming. But you have to stop it. Exactly. You have to stop it. And that's something Illinois State does very, very well. And now, teams from from here on out know that you're going to give the ball to James Robinson and Markel Smith. And I know early in the season, I'm interested to see your take on this. Um, we were wondering what kind of running back system we were going to see out of Illinois state was it going to be a three back set potentially I mean I know it was a lot of it was sparked by that that sports center highlight reel but is it going to be a four back set and you're going to get and you're going to get Jordan Burch some carries but you, you, it's really turned into just Markel Smith and James Robinson. And Robinson seems to be carrying a lot of that weight, too. So it's really turned into just a two man backfield. And you don't really, you've seen Artis Henderson yesterday for a mm-hmm. little bit. I mean, he he got the snaps, you know, kind of in the garbage time, yeah. if you will. And Jordan and I uh, will return the kicks. Yeah. So and, 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 they do incorporate, you know, all four of the guys,
1: but it has definitely turned into a two man show in the running back. And why not? And why not stick with that? Those two are obviously, you know, gelling with the system and with the line, with each other. Uh, they always seem to be encouraging each other. You know, I, I look for, like, little things. You know, if Markel Smith busts a 20-yard run, you know, what's James Robson doing? And he's, you know, clapping and, you know, excited for his teammate. And that's something that you always like to see. Um, you know, just switching gears to the ISU defense, you know, they, they pitch a shutout. And they did something that... They've kind of been lacking um, so far this year, and that was to force a couple turnovers. Um, obviously, one went for a touchdown,
0: which I predicted in last uh, in last week's uh, in last week's Redbird report. I said I predicted I predict my score prediction was wrong. I said <laughs> well, 20, I, I s- don't think anybody no, could have guessed that. One. No, and, and that was just it. Is even SPAC acknowledged that there's they yeah. didn't even expect a thirty-five nothing victory. Expecting a one possession. Game. I know, and it, hmm. it did not turn into that at all. But I uh, I said I said they're going to win 24-14. Hmm. I said it's going to be a battle of the defenses, and I said Illinois State's going to get a defensive score. Obviously, it didn't. Matter that much because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, 35 nothing, I mean, they could have won 7 nothing. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, that defense finally scored one. That was something they lacked all year long.
1: Yeah, and they also, you know, had an interception in the end zone that was really one of Youngstown's like very few chances to score. I think they were, you know, within the red zone or, you know, right around it. Um, so it was really, it was, you know, it was good to see that. You know the defense could make plays because they've been great you know with the exception of a game or two um, but they just haven't really been forcing those those turnovers so that was good to see um, you know they recorded five sacks so just a really you know couldn't you couldn't ask for a better showing from the defense, and they are you know just about as as advertised as you could you know imagine so far this season.
0: Yeah, and I'm telling you what the the one person that kind of stood out to me yesterday, he didn't lead the team in tackles or anything, but Tyree Horton, he he's the one who strip sacked uh, Nathan Mays, in, in which Matt McCown ran back. Uh, you know Tyree Horton had a very big game against Eastern Illinois, and since then he's kind of not I shouldn't say he's gone silent or non-existent because he's still. Mm-hmm. A, You know, a big part of that team, but I think yesterday might have been a real confidence booster. I know I was watching him on a few plays, and a few of them he kind of filled the hole like a linebacker should and, you know, stopped at the line, stopped for for TFL. And obviously, that that strip sack, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him down the road kind of get going here and and use this game as a confidence booster. But this defense, I mean, a second shutout, obviously, that first one was against Butler, Mm -hmm. who you kind of expect that. You don't expect to shut out Youngstown State. I don't care who the quarterback is. Yeah. But you watch, you watch the game, and the last thing we'll say about this defense is they shut down Nathan Mays, and then you bring in Ricky Davis, who last year beat Illinois State in the se- in the in the fourth quarter. They put up 13 points, uh, excuse me, they put up 14 points uh, in the second half of last year's game, um, and Ricky Mays was the quarterback behind that. Uh, Youngstown State's offense couldn't get anything going, and I know Nathan Mays got hurt; he ended up mm-hmm. in a sling. But Ricky Davis, uh, he had a couple shots downfield. Uh, a couple, one, you know, Devonte Harrison in the end zone batted away. A couple that went on, you know, went missed. Um, but what did you think? What was the big difference between Ricky Mays and Nathan Mays, or uh, Ricky Davis and Nathan Mays? Um, that Illinois State. I mean, they were able to stop both of them, but Ricky Davis was able to at least get some positive positive yardage going for the Penguins. Yeah, you know, that pass defense for Illinois <coughs> Illinois State excuse me, was,
1: you know, extremely impressive. You know, 63 yards, I mean, that that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, Ricky Davis, they, they didn't really seem to take that shot down the field. I know in the second half, they, they came out and took a shot on like the, you know, second or third play, which I think they needed. I think they needed, you know, a big play. Um, you know, did come up with it, but, you know, they're, they're trying to just nickel and dime their way down the field, and it just really wasn't happening. I mean, it looks like, you know, Devontae Harris had a really impressive game. Uh, that was good to see from him. And, you know, really there's just a lot of pressure on him at all times. If they weren't getting a sack on him, they were making a move, and, you know, the ball's cold, it's wet, and they're making him run out of the pocket and, you know, throwing the run. So that's that's what I'd say was, the you know, the key um, to maintaining the duo of Ricky Davis and and, and Nathan Mays was just the
0: pressure and that's something that needs to continue uh... you know moving on to to, you know continue the success. And the last point that I kinda wanna make about this Illinois State team before we kind of briefly preview the Western Illinois game is Malachi Broadnax? You've seen him in a different role yesterday. You've seen him come out. Uh, I want to say it was the. Th- I want to think it was the fourth drive mm-hmm. of the game that he came in at quarterback, but you saw him line up at wide receiver. And he recorded his first career reception, which was for that was nine. Interesting. Yeah. What did you make of that? Do you think that's something that you know Spack might pull out a little bit more? And it was even more interesting as he he caught the pass, gains the first down, and then goes in at quarterback.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you what you thought of Malachi too. That was a you know really again just another interesting you know performance from him. Uh, when he comes in, he it's the read option, and and, and that's fine, and. Um, one thing I'd say and I think we we you know we texted about it is it seems like he his read option is becomes a little too one dimensional because he knows that he is so dynamic in the open field that he wants to keep the ball and make the plays and a lot of times he does quite frankly uh just to keep these defenders on their toes though I think like I think he had like a third and one that one he probably should have hand off he got stuffed you know, that'll happen. One play I really loved for the from the Brox-back offense, incomplete pass. They they fake the read option after running it, running it, running it. And and, and they have what, the tight end? Yeah. The tight end open wide open. Pekovic. Yeah, Pekovic with Tyler Pekovic. Yeah. They have him open you know, for a 50-yard pass, and he, you know, unfortunately overthrown, I think he just got a little excited. I think I'm excited. If I look up and he's that wide open, well, I mean, I mean, he's behind everybody,
0: so... There was nobody probably
1: 15 so, yards around him. You know, hat tip to the, you know, ISU play caller for, for coming out. I did not see that one coming, and uh, either did Youngstown State, evidently, but, yeah, to get back to your question, I was, it was really, you know, interesting just to see that, what the swing pass that he caught, and... You know, that, that could have been a three-yard gain for all I, you know, and he turns it upfield and gets nine. So, I really uh, like the way, or I really like uh, the idea of keeping Malachi, you know, in this offense. And, and maybe even just a little bit more. Just kind of sprinkle him in a little bit more and more and more. and Because I think that's just a, you know, really, you know, unique,
0: you know, caveat that this team can introduce to defense. And, and the one thing I'm gonna say, and I I liked it too, but it seems a little. And I know we keep comparing, you know, James Robinson to to uh, to Marshawn Coprich. and then earlier this year, you know, it was like, oh, Malachi, he's wearing five, mm. looks a lot like Trey Roberson. But I'll tell you who Malachi reminds me of if he's when he's in that slot. And it, it's a stretch. Again, it's a stretch. Malachi again, just a red shirt freshman. But Cam Meredith, mm. a little quarterback. Moving over to wide receiver, and it, he looked like he could do it. It looked oh, like yeah. it looked like it wasn't past his athleticism. It looks like if that were to be an option. I mean, and, and when you think about it, uh, you know, you got Tristan Smith, who his redshirt eligibility he, he's still redshirt eligible because he has not played a single snap. Yeah, well, so, I'm just gonna go ahead and say we're not seeing Tristan Smith. No, I don't here. think so either. I don't think so either. But. You know, so he's got that red shirt available. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to be fighting for snaps. These, these you know, Spack did it before with Cam Meredith moving oh, in. I could see, I, it. I could see it,
1: and and I, it. I guarantee it's been considered, and, and at least just you know in the back of the mind, yeah, that might be a preview. That might have yeah, been a preview you know, of it, I've which we're going to remember next year when we watch <laughs> we're like you know <laughs> we remember that little <laughs> nine yard swing <laughs> bubble screen right. to, that started this whole thing. So yeah, really
0: interested to, to see how they continue to incorporate Malachi Broadnax. Yeah, I liked it. I, I like it but uh, so now we, we kind of shift our attention over to Western Illinois which uh, they kind of took a beating they're uh, they're struggling right now they've lost a few here in a row obviously you know you lose one to North Dakota State which I mean that That's just brutal. They had to go up to the Fargo Dome, and and that is just absolutely... You don't expect many people to go out there and win in the Fargo Dome, period. So, you know, that final there was actually... It was tightly contested, 24-12, and then yesterday they took a beating, a beating... In, I want to say that game was clo- what, It 24-52 like or, or something. Yeah, it was 52-24, but it, I mean... I think at half it was
1: within arm's length. At yeah. least. I, I remember. I can't remember exactly, but I remember looking back on it and be
0: like, you know, this this game escalated. It was 24-17 at half. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, a big third quarter, 21 points Ooh, I don't in know the it. third quarter for South Dakota State kind of put them over the edge. And once again, a team is coming into Hancock Stadium uh, with... Their playoff hopes kind of in in the ropes, dangling dangling by a thread, uh, and, and this is something not new, you know, to Illinois State. Obviously, again, we mentioned it. We keep beating a dead horse, it seems mm-hmm. like. But you know, they they had a fight for their playoff hopes against South Dakota. Now Western Illinois comes in, and they're in the same situation that Youngstown State was uh, just yesterday, as we record this on a Sunday afternoon uh, from the Vedette offices. But you know, so so Western Illinois, I, you got to think they're going to be hungry. Yeah, you would really think so. And it's going to, I mean, we'll we'll
1: give a detailed preview on Wednesday when we come in and record this again. But just briefly, I don't know what to expect from Western Illinois. I think they're going to try to run the ball. I don't know how far they're going to get against this Redbird defense. Mm-hmm. This Redbird defense is, you know, as strong as it is overall. They seem to really excel in, in rush defense. So I don't know. I think the key, um, you know, from the Western Illinois perspective is to try to get that run game established early and then, um, you know, kind of, you know, play action and and just kind of open up other, you know, pages of the playbook, but I have a feeling that they're going to come in, start running the ball and, you know, maybe struggle a little bit, panic, start throwing and, 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 you know. Who knows? But we'll, we'll we'll talk about that more uh, on Wednesday. Just briefly, what are you expecting uh, from this game?
0: I, I, I'm kind of going th- the opposite of you. I think they're going to come in and they're going to try and air it out. Because mm-hmm. I think when you look back on film and you see Case Cookis and Chris Streveler kind of throw the ball over the field on Illinois State, not that that's – kind of a weakness of Illinois State but you've seen that that, that, that can be a problem um, and you've got a passer who's el- who is who is good enough to do it and has the ability to do it and, and Sean McGuire so I think they're going to come in and, and start throwing the ball all over the yard um, and, and and test the secondary of, of Illinois State and you know I think it's going to be a good one I think it's uh, I think it's going to be I think it's going to come down to I don't ex- again obviously we didn't expect 35 nothing at Youngstown but I, I think this one's going to be close um and again, Western Illinois is going to be fighting for their life, and so I expect to see some life out of them. And uh, you know, it's going to be an interesting one. And obviously, Illinois State, the the road does not get any easier. I mean, you've played South Dakota, and then you go to Youngstown State, and you think, okay, you know what? We're kind of getting through through a little, you know, tough part of the schedule, but it just does not get any easier. And they know that. Mm-hmm. They know that. All you got to do is look ahead. Um, but before we wrap up. Uh, here on this edition of the Redbird Report. Let's just take a look at the Week 9 scores in the Valley. Obviously, you have Illinois State 35, Youngstown State nothing. North Dakota State defeated Northern Iowa 30-14. South Dakota pummels Southern Illinois at... Uh, at in Vermillion, 42 to nothing. Missouri State picked up their first win of the season uh, in Missouri Valley Conference play. That is against Indiana State, 59 to 20. Indiana State just absolutely—they're a bad team. That—that's just as simple as you could put it. And then obviously Western Illinois was defeated by South Dakota State, 52 24. The next opponent for the Redbirds. Those are the next two opponents for the Redbirds in South Dakota State and Western Illinois, and it's going to be a tough. One, but right now before we close up, Nate, we saw the Redbird soccer team, uh, their season come to a close—a uh, one-nothing defeat uh, at UNI. That's the second time they've been defeated one-nothing at UNI, and uh, just kind of your thoughts on the season. Well, you know, let's just say uh, it was a very you know
1: fitting loss, you know, for them to lose one to zero. It just seems like that was just the tail of the season that they just could not. Score. They I got mean, shut just out as a simple lot. Simple as that. And it's not like, you know, in their losses, it's not like they were losing three zero two. You know, and not even really two zero. They were they were losing 1-0 games, and you know, those are the difference in, in the season. And you know, it's just it's disappointing. I mean, I, I don't know how else to phrase it. Uh, definitely a disappointment for a team that was you know preseason favorites in the conference to to. Under a arguably squeak into the tournament what are they the, the five they were the five so uh you, and, know. <laughs> you know to just kind of get blanked uh you know in the first round and just kind of bow out without much of a you know i mean you know they they obviously you know fought hard or whatever but to not put up a goal it just seems like that was just the story of the season a uh, tough way for you know brad silvey's
0: first year at the helm to go but uh you know what can you do yeah yeah. the Brad Sylvie era you know got off to a rocky start you know seemed like they were going to turn a corner uh, you know the middle half of the season and then you have this you know I don't know what you want to call it the little the little goose egg uh, over here in the playoffs in the Missouri Valley tournament in the quarter final round and you know, I I I'll go as far to say is that it, they underachieved this season. Obviously, you're picked as the preseason favorite. That's a lot. There's a lot of pressure there. You know, there's a lot of pressure there. But you know, it, good teams, and and we're not going to knock Illinois State. You know, we're not going to sit here and bash them. But when you're picked as the preseason favorite, and then you you know finish with a five seed, and you lose one nothing in the first round, uh, that that qualifies as underachieving. Um, so you know that the first year of Brad Sylvie's career is uh, is the head coach, I should say his first year as a head coach uh, you know is one that you learn from and uh, you hate to see the season end like that but it is that that's it is what it is now you know you can only learn from it and go from here um, and we'll see obviously we'll see Brad Sylvie next year and mm-hmm. there's gonna be new girls obviously they continue to do well on the recruiting trail uh, but for now we put an end to the redbird soccer season in 2017 we'll be back on Wednesday with a full preview against uh, for Illinois State against Western Illinois at Hancock Stadium Family Weekend. Nate and I will be out there at the game, covering the game for you guys, bringing you all the live tweets, game story, feature story, everything coming at you guys. Uh, another big game on the schedule for Brock's Backs group. Uh, but for now, we're going to put an end to this one. For Nate Head, I'm Michael Mara. Please pick up an edition of the Vedette tomorrow. Nearest you. Read online all you got. Big, action-packed a debt for you. Obviously, we didn't even hit on it very very much, but you and, uh, the Illinois State volleyball team defeats UNI, an upset number 25. UNI came into Redbird Arena and got beaten five sets. The first time Illinois State has done that since 2003. 14 years since they've done that, so you can read all about that tomorrow. But again, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you on Wednesday afternoon.